Welcome to Interpod, a podcast by Interpride where the world comes together for the LGBTQIA community. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. In this episode, we get to know Jay Watts, the first ever executive director for Interpride. Before we get into the conversation, here's Michael Lavers with Global LGBTQIA News from the Washington Blade. This is Michael Lavers, and I'm the international news editor for the Washington Blade, America's LGBTQI news source. The U.S. midterm elections took place on November 8th, and Republicans regained control of the U.S. House of Representatives. Democrats, meanwhile, maintained their razor-thin majority in the U.S. Senate. At least 340 openly LGBTQI candidates won their races in what LGBTQ Victory Fund President Anise Parker has categorized as a rainbow wave. They include Maura Healy and Tina Kotek, two lesbian women who will become governors of Massachusetts and Oregon, respectively. New Hampshire State Representative-elect James Rosner became the first openly transgender man elected to a state legislature in the United States. In Brazil, former President Luis Ignacio Lula da Silva on October 30th defeated incumbent President Jair Bolsonaro in the second round of the country's presidential election. Openly gay Rio Grande do Sul Governor Eduardo Leche on the same day won re-election when he defeated former Bolsonaro Chief of Staff Onyx Lorenzoni in a runoff. Lula will take office in January. Former Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is poised to return to power after his Likud party and allies won a majority of seats in the Knesset on November 1st. Activists in the country remain concerned the new government could prove disastrous for LGBTQI rights in Israel. Meanwhile, a gunman on November 19th killed five people and wounded 17 others inside Club Q, an LGBTQI nightclub in Colorado Springs, Colorado. President Joe Biden and Colorado Governor Jared Polis, who was openly gay, quickly condemned the massacre. The massacre, which took place hours before the annual Transgender Day of Remembrance, renewed calls for gun control in the United States. The massacre also underscored the fact that LGBTQI people in the United States remain vulnerable to hatred and violence. This is Michael Lavers. Please visit us at WashingtonBlade.com if you want to get more news about the LGBTQI rights movement around the world. I'm Jay Watts, pronouns she and they, and I'm the executive director over Enterprise. You know, I think that people anticipate the biggest problems or the the biggest backlashes from people that are not in our community. But I think sometimes the biggest disheartening aspects is to get backlash within your community. Um, So I think sometimes the unity or the disunity within our community sometimes causes the most hiccup and sometimes the most pain within this work. I am encompassing of multiple identities that are historically excluded as someone that is a Black woman, as someone that was born in poverty as well too, um, as someone that has been a survivor of multiple forms of interpersonal violence as well, um, someone that is a single mother, um, someone that is you know, still trying to navigate um, what it is for me to be pansexual in a community that often does not recognize pansexuality as a valid form of of loving. Um, So I definitely um, think that some of the the most disheartening moments of our movement is when it comes from within. I kind of 
expect it from outside of the community, right? You kind of expect that. And I, and I can anticipate it and see it coming. I come from a very rural, very conservative environment. I anticipate it. I've had death threats by the Ku Klux Klan. I've had emails. Um, I've had, I've been doxxed before where someone has found my address and has sent it um, on a, a website as well too. Um, I anticipate some things when it comes to my work within racial equity and LGBTQIA spaces. I anticipate it. Um, those are things that I don't want, but I also anticipate it as well, too. There's risk within this work. Um, and the members know that there's risk within this work. There are members risking their lives every single day for the equity of others. So that's why it is disheartening to, to experience some of the the disunity within the community, um, sometimes driven by misogyny, sometimes driven by racism, sometimes driven by um, just power, right? So um, I think that is one thing that I would love for our members around the world to consider. What are ways we can strengthen our family? I think of us as a global community, as a family, because we're intrinsically linked together. We're intrinsically linked because we're all invested in each other. We're investing in each other's success and happiness and the ability to do more than just survive, that we should thrive in society. And I want us to, to do more than just survive. I want us to be able to thrive in society, but it requires us to be able to be in this together. And sometimes we're not. And we have to get to that point as well, too. What's a top issue for you? Within our movement, I will say um, safety is a top concern. Um, I would say unity as well, too. Safety and unity are two top aspects. Um, and also, when you think of this Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? When we think of psychological safety, we think of, you know, being able to have our actual needs met when it comes to food, water, safe food, water, shelter, psychological safety, all of those good things. Those are also pressing concerns for our community because if we don't have the resources to even be adequately fed, if we don't have the resources where we can actually feel safe, and even psychologically safe, then how are we supposed to really be able to support a community to do more than just survive, to, to thrive and to really own who they are and to be happy with who they are? Um, and those are really pressing issues. I want safety, unity, and being able to support those Maslow hierarchies of needs um, that I hope that we can really be able to support, especially since we have humanitarian fund, you know, we have our solidarity fund as well too, that is hoping to, to support folks in ways where they can do more than just, just, just survive. So, but that also takes a push as well. It takes some finances. It takes us to be able to, to fundraise and to develop and to look at our own story and to understand our own story. So we'll be able to to, to help more folks um, be able to, to actualize that. Give our members, give the world a glimpse, you know, what it's truly like to be an American. 
think it depends from person to person. My experience as a black person in America is vastly different than maybe some other black folks in America. Yeah, I think there is this misconception that we all have the same experience, but we don't have the same experience. My experience here in Kentucky is vastly different than maybe people that that live in Detroit or Chicago or Indianapolis. You know, my experience being born and raised into an environment where my grandparents couldn't read or write, that I was born in poverty, that I have been, you know, in cycles and systems of of interpersonal violence is vastly different than than maybe some some other folks that are within you know our community. You know, my experience of being able to receive a college education more than than three times over, I'm working on my fourth degree in a PhD, is vastly different than some Americans that have not even been able to complete their high school diploma. So you know, I have to take that in consideration. The American experience is not a monolith. It's not just a singular experience. It is multiple identities, multiple understandings. And I think that really translates also to our global environment, that me as an American, I cannot push my experiences and do not want to push my experiences and say that it is the same experience as people all over the world and to center my own experience as as the sole experience of blackness or you know being a person of color um that would be wrong of me to displace my experience as the only sole experience of marginal marginalization my experience is vastly different than other people's experiences but there also is very similar experiences interwoven within other folks' marginalization and exclusion that we can tie that in together. Um, it does not have to be a, you know, mine is greater than yours. And that tends to be sometimes the message where it's like, mine is greater than yours, mine is greater than yours. Well, let's talk about our experiences and let's have a common ground to be able to support each other's experiences in the way that is transformational for, e for each other. The way that I have been historically excluded may be very similar to folks in, let's say, Australia, the Black folks or the sister girls in, in Australia. Um, it may be very similar to individuals of color that are in Amsterdam. It may be very similar to people of color in Costa Rica or the Black folks that are um, in South Africa, or it could be different. And I think it's important for members and myself as an executive director to be able to, one, listen, for me to listen to the experiences and to understand how I can utilize those experiences to inform how we operate. Um, not to say, this is my experience, I am going to create based on my experience. Um, my goal is to, one, have different approaches that are anti-oppressive, anti-racist as well, too, but also to utilize a transformative just justice way of looking at things where people's voices are valued at the table. And when I say voices are valued, that they should be valued. And there's no harm intended by me wanting to make sure that your voices are valued. 
Um, that is me saying that you deserve that, that we live in a society where people said that we have to stay quiet or we have to push down our feelings and our experiences in order to be received. And I don't think that should be how we operate here at Enterprise. We should be able to, to listen, to understand, listen to understand, be um, less quick to respond and to be intentional in the way that we move and strategically and tactically handle concerns and issues and supports and programming when it comes to the work that we do at Enterprise. What are you most excited about in this role and for the organization? I am excited to support the work of pride movements around the world in a way that they would like us to show up. Yes, I may have some grandiose ideas. Yeah, I may have my own interpretation, but whew, it is empowering to hear from the members about how they want us to show up for them, how they want us to make sure that they their voices are centered in the process. That's empowering. That's beautiful. And as someone that has been a community organizer, that's someone that has been an activist and has centered the voices that have been on the ground doing the work, that's important to me. I'm a different organizational leader because I have that experience in activism that's a bit different than probably some other organizational leaders that sometimes center the structure and function and the 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 programming, the policies and the practice, which is still important in, in things that I'm still centering the policy, practice, programming, and protocol, learning and development, the development and the fundraising initiatives. Those are all important to me, all things I have experience with. But woo, all of that would be null and void if we did not center the folks that are actually doing the work on the ground, the folks that are actually doing the pride movements, the, act the people that are actually risking their lives. So prides can happen all around the world and for people to feel like they have a chosen family, that they feel like they have someone to turn to or a community that is like them in ways that are different around the world. Some people are getting millions of people at their prides. Some people have 20 five, or five people or three people. All is still beautiful and unique in a way to connect. And I think that's important for for Enterprise and myself to make sure I keep in mind and in, in, in a very intentional way. And something I'm excited about is just making sure that I prioritize how the members want us to show up for them. Thank you so much for joining us here on Interpod, a podcast by Interpride where the world comes together for the LGBTQIA community. To hear more episodes or to find more information about the work that we do, head to enterpride.org.